0: Welcome to the Fellowship College podcast. The best is yet to come. What if the the good old days are still ahead of us? That was a a quote from Joanna Gaines, I believe. (laughs) I think it's hanging on a piece of shiplap somewhere. So not but, this Joanna that's with us. Not here. Joanna, <laughs> not Joanna Deep D Balraj Stafford. Oh, good job. Thank you. Um, we are back. We're glad to have y'all here. Um last season we dove into the topic of homosexuality, same-sex attraction, LGBTQ relationships, and we're going to dive a little deeper into that today and so right from the beginning I just want to give you a heads up this is not an extra or another episode we're not going to cover the the exact same things so this is kind of building off of that episode and so if you haven't listened to season one episode four stop this podcast right now go listen to that because everything you're about to hear is hopefully going to, build on that episode. And so the feedback that we got from that episode was a lot about, hey, I wish we could have d- dived into a little more depth in the Corinthian culture and the Greek word arsenicortos. Didn't didn't get it that one. <laughs> Didn't get that one right. Arsenicoita. I don't know. Eile, okay. Ily. our Greek our Greek scholar, is gonna gonna walk us through that. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, that's what we're gonna do today. And so again There's a lot of nuance and uh, just humility that needs to be taken as we we talk about homosexuality. And so I know that someone's going to listen to this and say, wow, they didn't cover X, Y, and Z. We probably covered some of those things in that last episode. So go stop this podcast right now and go listen to episode 1.4. And so today we're going to talk a lot about culture, and context. And so as a way of intro, I thought it'd be good to ask the question, if you could live in any culture in the history of time, what would it be? Where Uh, would you live?
1: Okay. This is going to be, you know, just don't make fun of me. Okay, guys. Well, (laughs) we make fun of you. That's the whole podcast.
0: (laughs) The whole podcast is us making fun of Um, you.
1: Have you ever watched Pride and Prejudice?
0: Oh, yeah. yes.
1: <laughs> Didn't Guys. Jacob
0: talk about that in like an entire sermon once? Uh, I did. Um, I did bring up Pride and mm. Prejudice.
1: Oh, yeah, because you brought up the hand thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Mr. Darcy. Yes. That um, was uncomfortable. I want to live in that time period. It's not uncomfortable. It's romantic. The
0: hand thing was weird. It's
1: what? romantic. Okay. My
0: hands are cold.
1: <laughs> Where did that come from? It's, it's
0: a line in the movie. Um,
1: okay. Anyway, I want to live in that. Not necessarily what was happening in real life during that time. I actually don't know what was happening. In real <laughs> Do you know life how anymore. they
0: treated women back yeah, then? Yeah, <laughs> probably not
1: great. But um, the movie. I want to be in the movie mm. in that time. That's right. Please and thank you. I'm here With for the With Mr. Dresses. Darcy? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. He, hit me. You know, wow. I have some thoughts. <laughs> he could have been a little bit more... Um, Communicative, C- communicative, I, I yes. feel like you're supposed to, it's communicative, communicative. right? It's not communicative, no, communicative. communicative. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Communicable. Yeah, yes, that one. Uh, it's like you're making up words. Oh my gosh, do other people do that? Anyway, we'll get to that. Um,
2: whoa. Whoa.
1: Yeah, that's where I wanna <laughs> be. <laughs> okay,
3: <laughs> that's a good answer. I get it, the dresses, those are pretty Thank cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's very superficial, I get it. Okay. Um, my answer is not as fun as those dresses. Mm. And uh, some people might question this, but honestly, right here in the 90s, mm. I love 90s culture. It was like right before tech just absolutely blew up. But we had all the technology that like really made life pretty pretty good and easy. Sports were wild. I mean, it was like you watch the NBA major league baseball. I mean, they were just hitting homers left and right. Football was insane. And it, was, it was
0: like more physical too. It was, yeah, like it was more no, physical. no rules.
3: I'm also, I love action sports and that's like when action sports really started to blow up here in America. And so it was just kind of like punk rock, like anything goes. I don't the know mu-
0: why. The music in the nineties was, was super so angsty and really rock. Bad. I mean, it really was just,
3: good. yeah, I love, I love the nineties. So I'd just do that.
0: So basically you would live like 20 years earlier. Yeah. So that way you're like your prime is in yeah. the nineties mm-hmm. and not just- Or if I was just
3: perpetually in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. That was kind of cool.
2: Um, my answer is boring because I wouldn't change where I live because mainly, okay, okay. Hate that technology has gone so far, but also appreciate it a lot because um, COVID, made it to where I could actually hang out with people, FaceTime, seeing people, like that changed the game. And my whole family lives in India. Um, so we FaceTime them, we see them all the time. And I think about like using Skype, like in 2005 or 2006, and it was horrible guys. Like it was literally the worst. Like that would just have not worked back then. So I'm grateful. For where we are now. Wow. And I don't think I would change anything about it.
0: Wow, what a great answer. You're <laughs> content with where you I are. I am content. Right but now. I
2: think Bridgerton is cool too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're basing all of our answers off of TV shows and movies that, that we enjoy. Mine's out of left field. I, I I haven't really thought deeply about it. And so if I thought deeply about it, I'd probably change my mind. But my initial response is, I, don't, I couldn't even give you... A, a time period it's just the hunter gatherers there's what? guys there's it's something primitive Josh. there's so, there's something just about there's something just about like hey my work for the day is to like gather a bunch of food like kill some animals which if you know me you're like that's the last place you're I from w-. LA <laughs> that's what I'm saying I'm I I back then. I haven't even thought about it yeah I mean I guess my if we could just talk about A different time where you had different skills I'd be a professional golfer obviously but that's not what wasn't the question (laughs) and so I know I haven't thought about it but my initial response if you give me like 30 more seconds to think about it I'd probably realize that that's a terrible decision Mm -hmm. but that's what I'm sticking with right now for this podcast Eileen is judging (laughs) me
2: wait is this why you have a fighting stick on your desk
0: (laughs) it is why I have a fighting stick the grass is always greener <laughs> on the other side, so I'm like, man, I grew up in LA, and anything rural was like non-existent, and so I'm like, yeah, maybe the rural li- rural, I can't even pronounce it. It's probably step one. Maybe that would be would be fun.
2: Hmm. Have you ever hunted anything? <laughs> Let's not dive into this. <laughs> no, because I'm curious. I'm already regretting my okay. decision. Okay.
0: So, I've ridden a horse, so I, I'm oh, good, oh I'm okay good there to you go,
2: again. bareback. Oh, that
0: was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'll invent the saddle. It'll be fine. Okay. We'll be okay. Anyway, as we're talking about context and culture, uh, a lot of the things we've talked about this semester have we've really been trying to emphasize. Hey, we need to check our passport. We need to remember who who the context is. Where who the, who is writing this? Who they were writing to? In order to understand what was going on. And so when we talk about something as controversial and personal and divisive as homosexuality, the LGBTQ community, especially how the church has responded and should respond and and what to do with same-sex attraction and all those things, um, context is huge. And that's kind of where a lot of this disagreement starts. And so when we're talking about homosexuality, especially in light of where we see it in the New Testament, where are the places that this comes up in the New Testament?
1: Oh, oh, is that me? Y'all are looking at me. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, are you going to read today,
1: Eileen? Oh, sure. I mean, (laughs) uh, we're going to be focusing on 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 today. And that's where the topic of homosexuality comes up, but it also comes up um, in First Timothy chapter 1, um, and those are some spots in the New Testament, along with Romans, uh, is it, what is it, Romans 1? Romans 1. Yeah, um, that talks about this, but we also see it um, in the Old Testament as well, um, in Leviticus chapters 18 and 20, and those are special because 18 is describing the lives of the Canaanites, the people that are being driven out of the promised land, mm-hmm. um, and so it's basically a uh, hey israelites like these things and it's a whole list of, of things like idolatry and um and and just all these things that yahweh is saying no we're gonna drive out and then in chapter 20 it's okay here are rules i have for you and so you can kind of see like oh this is this is something that is for all people it's not just in this specific um israelites i don't know if that makes sense we're gonna dive into it but um yeah leviticus romans First uh, 1 Timothy, 1 Corinthians; those are just some places that come to mind that talk about this topic.
0: And so there's a particular Greek word that is brought up and is at the the center, I would say, mm-hmm. of this argument. Especially if we're just if we're just taking a New Testament perspective. Again, we we handled the Old Testament perspective, Genesis and Leviticus last season. So go go listen to that. But today we're going to focus in on on this word that's used that I've already botched like six, (laughs) six times. And so I'm going to read the first Corinthians passage that deals with this word. It's the same word that's in first Timothy one as well. And I believe that's, those are only two times, right. that That's mentioned. And so Paul talking to the Corinthian church says it starting in verse nine of chapter six, he says, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, that's that word, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so that that word, arsenikoithas, is the same word that's used there and in First Timothy, and so let's let's kind of unpack what that word actually means.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, as we know, the Bible was not originally written in English. Crazy. Uh, it was written in Greek. So, um, the King James is
0: not the original translation. Who would
1: have thought? You know, <laughs> I thought Jesus carried around the G-
0: King James Bible with him.
1: So. Um, If we look at the Greek and we look at what is being said, um, Josh just read from the NIV, but there are actually two words that um, compose the men who have sex with men in the NIV. And so actually, if you look at the NASB or the KJV translations, they actually draw out two separate words. Um, And so I'm just going to read the the different translations real quick. So um, Josh just said men who have sex with men. So that's what NIV is saying. NASB is saying, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. So it draws out both. Um, KJV says, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Um, and then ESV will translate it. It'll combine the, the two Greek words and say, men who practice homosexuality. And so if we look at the Greek, um, it has this word tai, or whatever tense it's in kind of um, impacts the the ending of that was That was way word.
0: better than me. Thank you.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, But uh, there there are two parts of this word. So arson uh, means man or male. And then koitai or koite means bed. But just like in our language, how we can have um, like idioms or euphemisms, ways of saying things that like our culture would understand, they did as well. And Like
0: he slept with that girl. Yeah,
1: that means, oh, he had sex with her. Yeah. Yeah. So just... Um, the same with them, to bed or to take someone to bed is this euphemism for, oh, they had sex with them or they slept with them. So when Paul combines these two words, arsen and koite, he's saying these are, are men who have sex with men. Um, and so we see that word specifically in the Greek text, but then the word before it is this word um, malakoi, um, now this word again, some translations combine them um, to just generally say like people who practice homosexuality, um, but some older translations will break apart the two words. And the reason that that is done is because um uh, means soft or effeminate, and this is gonna like get pretty graphic. Just letting you know. So I don't know if a lot of people are gonna be listening with kids around, but maybe maybe you not uh, have them listen to this part. But like. Um, a lot of translations will have "arsenakoi tai" um, just being the general like man who sleeps with man, but "malakoi" that word um, because it's sandwiched between adulterers and then the "arsenakoi tai." Um, some think that this soft word is referring to the man who acts passively in the context of, like, male sex. So some refer to this as, um, like, male prostitutes because they're the more passive ones in this act. Um, And so that can go into, like, different arguments that people have against – the fact that homosexuality is in the Bible. They say, oh no, like this is pedophilia. Um, it's really just men who um, commit sexual acts with like younger kids. But if you look at the two Greek words, because um, this this second word, Malakoi, is there, that kind of negates that argument that it is a, a younger person. It's no, you're seeing two Um, males enacting one, like being the passive person and one, the, the non-passive person. And so you see both, um, like parties in this whole situation. So those are the, the two words, (laughs) um, uh, Paul like created this word, but he also at the same time didn't create this word. So the reason that we get our Senecae tie, um, is if you look at the Septuagint, so this is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, Paul would have been familiar with this, um, he was a Pharisee. We know the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, um, but Greek was a common language at that time, so they also would have had this translation. Um, the words that are used in Leviticus chapters 18 and 20 are these same words it's arson and koite. So Paul is just taking the words that are mentioned in the Old Testament and he's combining them into one word. And this isn't weird either. Like he does this, um, he does uh, theonoustos. Uh, yes, theonoustos. Yes, yeah, uh, for God, God breathed. Breathed. Um So he does this, it, this isn't like a weird thing, um, but it is just it just goes to say that these words are prevalent throughout the whole Bible. Um, it's not just this new concept that Paul is introducing in these letters.
0: That was really good, Eileen. Thank you for that. that was very good. And so the reason we're talking about this is because skeptics or people that like really push back on the Christian stance that that homosexuality is against God's design, but still want to be involved with the church and still want to follow Jesus will push back on this and say, "Whoa, whoa, this word's only used twice. This is a very specific." context going on there. And so the reason we're, we're diving into the words, the word study and and the context here is because we want to, want to try to show that, that yes, Paul is talking to a specific people in a specific context, but he's taking some of the things that we've seen since Genesis throughout the old Testament and think he's taking things that that we have continued to see for, for years and years and years. And so the, the next question, if that was a great foundation of what, what that word means, but I think we need to also see what was the context of the church in Corinth like? Why is he bringing this up? What's going on there? Yeah. The, uh, First, I love the letter of the Corinthians. Uh, I love the way it's
3: written. I love how it addresses specific cultural topics, um, which is what we're going to kind of get into. And so, uh, yeah, the Corinthian church is the, the believers who are in Corinth. Uh, Corinth was a major port city. Um, it was very successful. It was very wealthy and it was also very diverse. Um, there were Jews and Gentiles who lived there, which also made up the church in Corinth, uh, and amongst the Gentiles, there was people from all over the place because it was a uh, trade city. Uh, Paul spent about a year and a half there, so he has a really good relationship, and he knows the believers in Corinth really well. Uh, and for if you're a Corinthian at this time, your worldview um, and just how their government worked and how their whole culture worked is completely centered around uh, power, status, success, honoring those who have those things, elevating them even more. Um, and so those types of people that you are always going to win out if you have those types of virtues. And then if you don't, you kind of just get thrown under the bus for a lot of stuff. Uh, And part of the Corinthian culture also, because they worshiped some of the Greek gods, uh, the main one being Aphrodite, who's a goddess of sex. Um, Sex was permeated all through their culture. I mean, it was like just everywhere. Uh, In fact, it was, it was so prevalent that, uh, whenever you go worship um, at the temple of Aphrodite, you often would engage in having sex with temple prostitutes. Um, they're mostly women, sometimes men who are in the temple and you literally have sex to worship Aphrodite with them. And there were, this was so prevalent that Plato, um, the philosopher actually referred to anywhere, not just in Corinth, but anywhere he was, if there was a prostitute, he referred to them as a Corinthian. (laughs) Because like that's how enveloped this culture was uh, with sex and with this type of practice. Um, And so now you have this body of believers who are coming out of Jewish, back or who are Jewish, and then Gentile, who many of them would have been in Corinth for a long time and engaged in these kind of pagan worship practices, um, along with this culture of Um, status and success and kind of just doing whatever we want uh, because you had the privilege of doing that in Corinth and you're trying to figure out how do these believers come together and live kind of under this ethic that Jesus has set out which is where we drop into this this section in chapter six Um, the letter to the Corinthians Paul basically goes through and addresses multiple issues that the Corinthian church is kind of working through problems that they're having um, and he addresses the issue and then he brings some facet of the gospel for the answer in each one. And so this section that we're in in chapter six is in this section that he's talking about these different sexual problems. Oh uh, there was a guy in the body of believers who was sleeping with um, his, uh, step-mom? Stepmom. Yeah. Yeah, his stepmom. Yeah, uh, stepmom. And some people were, st- were still engaging with those like temple prostitutes, things like that. Uh, but it's interesting that it's specifically in this section, in chapter six, it's right at the beginning of this kind of sex section that Paul is talking about. And he starts in chapter five, kind of getting into it in verse, uh, verse nine, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral people. Uh, and then he goes on to explain some things. And then once you get to chapter six, it's almost a little bit of an aside. And he goes into talking about um, lawsuits and basically how believers ought to be um, figuring out their problems amongst themselves and not taking them to uh, the secular courts, the courts of Corinth who were just completely ruined um, and corrupt with these, basically honoring the people who had the most. And he gives all these, Paul gives all these reasons as to why that is. And his main point in this um, part of chapter six is that if, if you are God's people, you ought to live differently than these people who are not part of God's people. Uh, and you ought to be able to work out these differences amongst each other. And he's trying to show them that you are different. You are set apart because you are now a people of God. And to, um, to finish off his point, that's where he brings in this section that we just read. And uh, 6, 9, and 10, those verses are a reiteration with a couple of things included um, up in chapters 5, verse, uh, verses 11 and 12. It's this list of, hey, this is what God's people don't look like. That's what the world looks like. I'm calling you to be set apart and different than that. And that's where we find the homosexuality piece. And the reason that he gives scholars call these lists of vices— um, in both chapter five and chapter six as kind of bookends for this section is because he's just addressing what is normal and prevalent in the culture that they're living in yeah. and how they should be aware that hey we're called to live differently than what you're used to and what your your battle to make sure you don't go back to is
0: yeah that's really good thanks for thanks for that context that's that's helpful what, what I hear from from people when we're talking about this context and we're talking about homosexuality we're talking about this word is that well they' ta- Paul here is talking about sex or maybe even graphic sex like you're talking about incest, we're talking about pedophilia. So what Paul do, the, the argument is what Paul doesn't have in mind here is committed homosexual like same sex committed relationships. And so how would you uh, respond to someone that said, well, they probably didn't know what we know today about the LGBTQ community and committed same-sex relationships?
1: Um, I would say that is untrue. Uh, They were very aware of different uh, relationship dynamics and they had every type of relationship dynamic that we see today. Um, so they would have monogamous same sex, uh, relationships, uh, with, uh, between females or between males. And we have documentation of that. They would have, um, the more promiscuous, like one-time things, temple prostitutes, um, between heterosexual, like in heterosexual relationships and homosexual relationships. Like all of these things, there has been, there have been historical documents that bring up relationships like these, um, So they were aware of the possibility of like, hey, no, like you can be in a monogamous, committed, loving relationship between two men. So regardless of, hey, um, oh, the only reason that Paul or, you know, the Bible is saying you can't have um, homosexual relationships is because, oh, they just didn't have them in that time. So they don't understand how good they can be Um, that that argument falls short because we do have documentation that says that that was prevalent. They were aware um, of those those relationships.
0: Yeah. We can easily fall into something called, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said this, but if not, we'll just say it was C.S. Lewis. It's easier that way. Chronological snobbery Mm -hmm. where, and this is not just for this topic, but it's for a lot of topics where we feel uncomfortable or cynical where we where we look at the bible or we look at something in history and we say if if only they knew what we knew today we were the superior generation we're the superior time and so they they would have had no idea And, and again I'm not saying that there's things that we shouldn't look back on and be like wow that that people completely messed it up like they they screwed it up but sometimes we have to remember that that the context is is maybe more similar than than we would like to admit and as we look at these words and we look at look at these this context and we look at the promiscuity that was going on in Corinth i think we see actually a lot of similarities there between the sexuality of that culture and our culture. Do y'all think that's fair? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, even too, Paul could have simply just added a qualifier. He was very intentional with his words when he was writing these letters. And in that space where he says, you know, like, no man shall lie with another man, he could have said, oh, unless they're in a, a committed relationship. Like, Paul could have easily added a qualifier in that. And I think we have to Understand that that he didn't, and so to assume that, oh, like Paul was only talking about these things when he didn't specify. Like I, I think that's that's making a jump. And when we look at the language that's used in this passage, um, in the First Timothy passage, the the people in these. like on this list, right? These passages, um, I'm going to pull up the First Timothy passage too, like the language that's used for idolaters and adulterers, um, the language is saying that these people are are unrighteous and they're unlawful and they're sinful and they're unholy. Um, Paul isn't saying... Like, hey, hey, Timothy, tell your people in Ephesus that they should stop having se- homosexual relationships. No, he's Paul is going to the root of these things, and he's saying that all of these things in this list, homosexuality included, is unholy. Um, and so just because, um, my pride, I have pride here today, um, in Northwest Arkansas in my 20s, um, 50 years from now, when I'm in a different city, in a different context, in a different stage of my life, if I still have pride, which I probably will, that pride is still pride. Like it's still Mm -hmm. sinful. It's still unrighteous and unholy. Um, And so the sin is the same throughout the culture throughout the time um you know people change and, and the Lord sanctifies people and people have different sin struggles throughout their life but it doesn't mean that a sin in that context still isn't a sin in this context Did that make sense yeah it makes a lot of sense
0: and so based on the context based on this this passage what do we what do we do with that if if our listeners can can maybe even slowly start to see, okay? Maybe the context is more similar than than I would would like to admit or have thought. How do we apply this? What does this look like for us today when we're talking with our our Christian believer friends and even with our non-Christian non-believer friends? What do we do with with this? Yeah, that's um I I like
3: what you said, Ilay, how this list encompasses this idea of just generally like unrighteousness and these different um lifestyles that would be included in that uh because you know if we're gonna go through and read this list uh in chapter six there's a lot of things in there and like so right after practicing homosexuality there's thieves and the greedy and drunkards and verbally abusive um now you know, if you're if you're in a community where maybe you, uh, you don't have many uh, friends friends who are um, homosexual or have same sex attraction or anything like that, um, I know that you have friends and that you probably in some capacity, um, are moving through and have temptations for greed, and especially if you're in college uh, and in that type of culture, potentially drunkenness. Um, verbally abusive in any, any capacity, harsh words.
0: Well, that first word he uses, sexually immoral, is the word porneia, yeah, which where we get pornography from. So like right off the bat, yeah, he, he's exposing a lot of people.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think as far as us and then how this is applied to our friends is that, again, remembering the context of Paul is trying to bring the Corinthians back to see the big picture that if we are followers of Jesus— we're called to this different life in which in verse 11, he talks about, you didn't used to be in this life, but now you are, and you are under this Lordship of Christ. And it's actually the abundant life that Jesus has wanted to come and give you. Um, and so it's, it's, it's like a check of, hey, is my life lining up with how God has designed it in all of these facets? And in all of these things, we ought to be holding each other accountable and calling each other out and and sacrificing things that maybe we don't want to uh, believe, or that's hard, um, taking the lower position in order to fall into this. While also, if we're engaging with friends who would fall into the category of they claim, "Hey, yes, I'm homosexual, I'm gay, I have same-sex attraction, and um, you know, I act out on that." Uh, you, that that then comes up. Okay, are you claiming to also be followers of Jesus? And Paul's very clear that, okay, well, there's these standards to live by, and that's that's one conversation. If they don't, that conversation doesn't exist because they are not in the camp of followers of Jesus. Um, and so b- making sure that we're, like, thinking about that is to, like, just if you look out in our culture and, and you see this topic all over the place— um, I would just challenge everybody: don't just point and say, "Like, look, look how evil that is." Blah blah blah. All this stuff. Um, there is a out being outside of God's design in that. But if someone is not a follower of Jesus, then those standards are not held in the same way. Which we talked a little bit about in that the last season.
0: Yeah, but even Paul, I, I love that, and we talked about the even the, the judging non-believers last episode. Yeah, and it's a perfect fit because at the end of chapter five, that's the context. That's what. Paul is talking about, he's he says, when he's talking about the sexually immoral, he's like, I'm not talking about the sexually immoral outside the church. He said, he says, I'm talking about those inside the church. Verse 12, it says, what business is, is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? And so Paul would, would I think that was well said, Paul would say, hey, when we're talking about this issue of, of, practicing homosexuality. I think that's actually really important to say practicing homosexuality because again, last episode, last time we talked about this, uh, we talked about same-sex attraction and those desires and how just having those desires is not sinful. There's plenty of, there's plenty of Christians out there that have same-sex desires, same-sex attraction, and have had that for their whole lives. And that is not, sinful. It's the, the practice of it. And so again, go back and listen to that, but he's saying what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? And so again, when we're talking about this issue, do not make this your hill that you're dying onto. I'm going to, I'm going to go and tell every person in the LGBTQ community, how Wrong they are. I'm gonna put up these picket signs and call out people and tell them they're going to hell and all these things. Like you are not doing what Jesus has commanded you. God cares about purity inside his church and he wants people to, to be a part of that body. And so when you're talking to people outside the church, remind them of who God is, remind them of the gospel, remind them of of Jesus' love and sacrifice for them and then allow the holy spirit to conform them to the image of jesus that that's not your job to do that to nonbelievers sorry hot take over yeah that's over. really
2: good um and i think like reading this um when you put yourself in this category um like i've been greedy i've been a slanderer like i've said bad things and so um I think it calls us to humility first and foremost, um, taking the step back and saying, oh, Paul actually wrote this to me as well. Um, even if you don't struggle with that, like, um, taking the step back to assess where you are and saying I was there and the grace of Jesus extended to me, um, and we are grateful for that, and we're able to celebrate that as Christians, and we should extend that first and foremost to others. I think it calls us to um, to take this stance of love and empathy first, um, instead of just judging and being like put off and hateful towards that, um, to see that I was that, and I've experienced the love of Jesus, um, and to want that first for someone else I think is where we need to be coming from mm-hmm.
3: yeah it's really good taps into what Paul finishes up there talking about how um we have been washed sanctified mm-hmm. justified in the name of Lord Jesus by the spirit of our God and he's like reminding hey you, like you said you you were once there mm-hmm. in in any of these categories wh- whatever your vice was um as, as some would put it but but no more we yeah. this is the truth that we get to live in now and it should call
0: humility yeah that's really good And he ends actually chapter six a few verses later with a kind of a famous passage I think talking about for those who are in Christ their body is no longer their own it's actually he calls it a temple of the Holy Spirit that it is actually it's been it's a sacred space now and it's not your own because it was purchased by the blood of Jesus so that's why we're all going to have desires that go against what God wants. And we're all going to have desires that that go against this new identity. And what Paul is trying to remind the believers here is that remind yourself that that Jesus has has purchased you with his blood that the Holy Spirit now dwells within you. The actual presence of God is with you if you are a Christian. And so not to make a practice of those things anymore. And so where this gets really hard and really messy is that is when we start to talk about this in terms of, again, we're all going to have desires that are against God. And, and even as Christians, we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to sin and we're all going to pursue those desires in, in a moment where it feels right. And then we're convicted where this gets hard is when we, when we start to say, oh no, no, those desires that are against God's desires are, are good desires. And so um, we have to remind ourselves that if, if you're listening to this and you're calling yourself a Christian, that the, the way that Jesus lays out for us a lot of times is going to go against what we want or, or even like what, what seems maybe good to us in the moment. And part of being a Christian is this dying to yourself picking up your cross and and following him even when it, it doesn't, it's hard. And, and again, I, I really, really want to stress and emphasize that for any of you that have same-sex attraction, for any of you that are going, going through this and, and are still trying to follow Jesus, that the church and the culture has made this really, really difficult and has often ostracized you and made you feel less than. And again, we want to just say, we're so sorry for that. That's, that's not how it, how it should be. And we want to walk alongside you with this as we all are trying to just follow Jesus day by day.
1: Yeah. Um, That was really well said, Josh. Um, Yeah. I think too, I know we're starting to close up, but I think um, I just want to point out sometimes as Christians, we can get in our heads and, and say, oh, I am better than a non-Christian because I, I know Jesus and they don't. Um, or sometimes the church can portray that and it has in the past, but that is not the gospel. Um, if someone is a Christian, if they're in Christ, they are not better than someone who is not a Christian. The gospel says that we are all sinners. And Josh, you were, or Jacob, you were talking about this earlier too. Like everyone is sinful and it is only by the grace of God that we have been saved and brought into this relationship with Christ. And so for any Christian to say that, oh, I'm good because I've done so many things and I just like I read my Bible every morning and I go to church and I'm even in a small group and I disciple someone like that does not make you a good Christian. That does not make you a good person. No, you are a broken, sinful human just like everyone else. And it is by the grace of God that you have been saved. And so if you are part of the LGBTQIA community and you feel though Christianity says that you are less than um, because of the desires that you have, please know that everyone has sinful desires. And while they may not be the same within people, um, your humanity is not less than because of your sins. Um, we are all on the same playing field, and it is Jesus that saves us.
3: Mm. Yeah, that's good. And that's as a Christians, that's our challenge uh, is to remember that aspect of the gospel, which is why I would challenge anybody listening to go through, spend some time reading all of 1 Corinthians, because it addresses um, a lot of uh, issues and aspects of culture that are extremely similar to the culture that we live in, and it, it draws it out line by line. This is the issue. This is the challenge that we have to overcome with that. This is how the gospel plays into it. And so I think it'd be really life-giving if you studied it.
0: That's good. So we're, we're just a room full of beggars trying to tell other beggars where we've found bread. And so we love you. We're here to talk to you. And until next time. Grace, Grace and peace. And peace.